0: All right, guys, big episode of the Nordies podcast. The Vikings get humiliated on primetime yet again, and this time it had to be by their rivals, the Packers. Are the Timberwolves hitting rock bottom And the Premier League is back? The transfer window, window is open. Here we go. How's it going, guys?
1: Um, not too bad, but not great. I had a bad sports weekend, great normal weekend. So yeah, yeah how about you? Yeah.
0: Nice holiday season. Uh it is now twenty twenty three. It's our year here in Minnesota Sports, if you guys didn't know. Um, but yeah, it's it wasn't the best weekend for us as uh Loserville kind of reared its ugly head. Last to did talk you, about.
2: Where did you book our reservations for the parades? Like which ones? Was it uh the wild the wolves like did you where do you say spots
0: lynx uh vikings and uh twins uh not the twins no they're gonna Okay be yeah
2: that's a good that's a good call pass on that one
0: <laughs> All right guys uh i think you guys are drinking some fun beers tonight not me i'm drinking goki doki again it's one of my favorite beers of uh 2022 so bringing it with me into 2023 what are you guys You're trying have?
1: to hang on to that lime flavor for the remainder of the year huh or for 2023, uh, yeah. huh love it I'm drinking. Uh, I'm drinking Elm Creek, and if you guys haven't had it, they're really, really coming up. I've never been there, um, but they do distribute pretty well. I think they're in Champlin, and this is their out-of-pocket West Coast IPA, which I'm really like more drawn to, like a West Coast these days. Um, and damn, is this good? Seven and a half percent just hits like a more refined version of the beers that were super popular like six years ago uh i'm I'm really liking it out of pocket by elm creek
2: nice um i'm with our good friends at fair state we've had this one many times on the podcast it's an oldie but a goodie it's one of those ones i think that started off as kind of fun and they've just improved it every time um this is mr falcon
1: love it great beer
0: all right, well, other oldie but goodie things are me asking you every week uh, to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordy's Podcast and subscribe anywhere that you guys get your favorite podcasts from and get the Nordy's Podcast directly to your phone or your device each and every week for free. Love it. Now, we are here to cover sports, and we're going to you know, take a bunch of crazy uh, – we'll have a bunch of crazy takes. But while we're recording this, you'll probably have heard this story by now. Um, but – uh, Damar Demar Hamlin is uh, down and being ambulanced off the field. So we won't have a resolution on what happened to him or how serious his condition is until uh, after this episode is finished recording. But um, definitely more important than anything we'll talk about here. And uh, scary scenes. I mean, the team on the field, the coaches and players crying, the ambulance on the field. It looks like they're going to try to continue the game, but they're giving him – CPR on the field, terrible stuff. So we will hope that he is okay or as okay as he, he possibly can be because uh, real scary stuff in, in sports. And it reminds us of too much of Christian Erickson uh, mm-hmm. in the Euros.
1: Yeah, that was scary. Um, this is maybe seems worse. Um, so let's hope that he comes out as well as Christian Erickson did.
2: Yeah. Well, and, I mean, even if it's the same – as Christian Erickson, that's horrific. You know horrific, what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not, there's no level of goodness to come out of this other than, like, hopefully he's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to complain and bitch about our team not playing well, but all of our players lived to tell the, you know, tell the story the next day. And that's the mm-hmm. most, you know, we, we have a lot of fun on here, but... Um, that's a pretty serious moment. And I, you know, I feel for his family having to watch on TV or live. That's just, that's just awful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. They, yeah. It, the coaches just met and uh, Sean McDermott, the coach of the Bills, said that his team is going to try to play on. So looks like the game will continue, but. They stopped and had a whole team prayer on the field and stuff. It's really some scary stuff. So hopefully he makes a a recovery and, uh, you know, we can have a positive update on our episode next week. So moving into way less important things. um, Our Vikings got humiliated once again in prime time Uh, for all of the people who have been saying that the Vikings are frauds all year. This was yet another opportunity for them to, um, you know, pipe up and puff out their chest and talk about how the Vikings are frauds. And I will say this, contending teams maybe get whooped one time in a season. But the number of times we've got absolutely destroyed, uh, we got whooped by the Eagles. We got absolutely humiliated by the Cowboys. I know the score wasn't as bad, but I think we got beat just as bad by the Packers and we miraculously came from thirty-three nothing down uh, to beat a horrible Colts team. Good teams that contend for titles don't get just absolutely blown off the field like this. Uh, at least not more than once. Mm-hmm. And this is like a once in every four games kind of thing. We get absolutely destroyed, and it is just like I don't know. We don't we don't lose normal games. We don't just uh, like lose. Twenty-seven, twenty-four in a good football game where it just they made one extra play. That doesn't ever happen to us.
2: I think small, um, this one th- sucked. Th- sorry, I thought you were done. My fault. I think um, I think I can forgive the Eagles game. You know, it was week two on the road, hostile environment, new coaching staff. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, you have a lot of built-in excuses. I think there, um, and that wasn't that big of a whooping. I think uh, just a few things kind of went wrong. Um, and the Eagles are a really good team. I, I I mean, so that's not taking anything away from, from Philadelphia, but I definitely think that the Dallas game, the Detroit game, and now the Packers games really stand out in my mind as when mm-hmm. like the heat gets ratcheted up to about nine and a half. Um, half the time we're just not ready. I, I, I don't know. I, I, why why is it that we can't be good in the first quarter or the second quarter and it always has to come down to a miraculous play or you know some crazy ending? I don't know. I I, mm-hmm. I it's weird that they're just a lot of times never ready to play. I don't know. I don't know what the
0: what the answer is or what's going on. So just a heads up on what's happening here. They've uh, the. The Bengals, it sounds like, were pushing to take a break. So they've temporarily suspended it. The teams are going to go back to the locker rooms. It's I don't know how you
2: come back out after that.
0: You're going to try to, like, take a little break here and see if they can come back out and play, but scary stuff. So we'll get back to the Viking stuff. I know that's why you guys are here. Um This was unacceptable, like you're saying. We can excuse it happening once, but you can't every time you play at 325 in a big game, you get just absolutely throttled. And then to make matters worse, now there is an injury crisis on the offensive line. As Brian O'Neill has a calf injury, they say it's a substantial injury. I haven't heard them say the word Achilles yet, but I don't think that there are a lot of substantial calf injuries that aren't your Achilles. And so I'm just kind of waiting for them to make that call that it's like, He'll be back next October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so that no. is a shame. That's a huge loss. I I mean, if you would have given me a list of all the players on the Vikings and said, who do you want to not get hurt? My first pick would be Cousins. My second pick would be Jefferson. My third pick would be Darisaw, And my fourth pick would be Brian O'Neill. And this is a horrible injury considering that uh, Blandell, the uh, Brandel, the backup tackle, is already on the IR. And then, to make matters worse, um, Garrett Bradbury with the bad back. They don't even know if he'll be ready for the playoffs. And his backup, Austin Schlotman, snapped his ankle in the first quarter of the game. So they had Chris Reed playing center, who has never played center in the NFL in his life. And it showed, as we couldn't even snap the ball properly.
2: Yeah. And the the uh, was it O'Neal with the Achilles injury? Was, like, running down the field. I don't know why he was chasing...
0: Okay. Huh? On the interception. Touchdown. Yeah, but he was
2: like chasing a defensive back forty yards away. I mean, I understand, like you, you know, know. you want to have the, you don't want to get a, uh, what do they call him, Eric, a loaf play in the, you yeah. know, in the in the game film. Um, but like, dude, just take a chill pill. Um, I don't know if with the O line being decimated going into the playoffs, maybe we win against the Giants. Um, but beyond that, if the O line is going to be this injured it's going to be a real short trip through uh
1: the postseason for the vikings
0: yeah this is not great um and because of it we couldn't run the ball uh at all understandably so and then cousins without a running game without the play action game without proper protection uh was completely ineffective he was kind of off the mark as it was then even though in the nfl they make it all about jair alexander even though he wasn't always guarding jefferson um they doubled Jefferson all day long, pretty much daring the Vikings to beat them with guys like Thielen and Osborne, and the Vikings could not. Adam Thielen is toast. He's done. It is over. For you big Adam Thielen fans, it's it's gone. It's over. He, he is not even an NFL player at this point. It's yes. crazy. I
2: mean, he voted for Trump. He's anti-vax. I thought he'd be healthy, you know? I thought God would, t- I thought God would take care of him. He, mm. he
0: literally runs like a Flintstone character at this point. Like, he is like – it's like his feet have to move 245 times in place before he can start running, and it's pretty painful. I mean, he, he has two catches now in two games for 22 yards. He's been totally ineffective. He feels like he's not even part of the offense at this point. And then on top of it, um, as much as I, I've really enjoyed TJ Hawkinson joining the squad – he does have a pretty bad problem with drops. So he leads all tight ends in catches and he's second in yards since he got traded to the Vikings, but he literally drops at least two passes a game. Dude, some he of those ones
2: and some of those ones yesterday were just like right in the bre- like and as far as an NFL tight end is concerned, Very catchable, and he just had, like, stone hands.
0: And then on top of that, all of that, they held Jefferson to one catch for 15 yards. His chase for the record and his chase for 2,000 looks to be all but gone and dead, which is uh, just more insult to injury. Jefferson had refused the cleats that the uh, um, equipment manager had suggested Mm. and then switched to those cleats in, like, the second quarter when the game was already kind of getting out of hand. Um, and so I think it was just like a team that wasn't prepared. And as much as I have been a defender of KOC, and I think KOC is a wonderful coach. Um, he's got a lot to learn and there are just too many of these instances right now where a team that I think has been pretty well coached and has overachieved, probably a lot of that has to do with coaching and some big performances from some superstar players. Um, I think there's just too many times where the team is not ready and the depth pieces on the team are not haven't improved enough or aren't ready enough um, to stop things like kick return touchdowns and you know like just the 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 stuff that we've been doing in the fourth quarter to come back and win games or win in pressure moments we don't seem to be making those same plays in the second quarter the first quarter or the third quarter of games
2: which I don't know if he knows that, that you can do that
1: yeah
2: <laughs> you could make plays early if you need to you don't have to be down seventeen before you start pulling out the bag of tricks,
1: right? 17, 24, 28, 33. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. Yeah,
2: I agree, Eric. I, I think, I don't know if Matt LaFleur is like a great coach, you know, like it remains to be seen whether or not he could do the same thing with Jordan Love as he can with Aaron Rodgers. But this felt like a lopsided coaching matchup where LaFleur, who's been a head coach for what, this is his fourth season? third season, um, had the team revved up, ready to go, fully prepared, locked in, dialed, you know, and their backs are against the wall. I get it. It's a, it's a little bit different mindset, but um, they came out ready to roll and the Vikings came out a little flat. Other, other than the punt block, we really had nothing going early. Um, And then we flubbed that and only got a field goal. So um, I totally agree that I think, I think the Packers were more focused Um, the Vikings, I think we're, and, and I, I don't discount KOC's mindset of like kind of being a little more loosey goosey, you know, like, Oh, let's, you know, we do our thing. Like everybody gets to show their personality. Whereas LaFleur was like dish, we're going to button this shit up and you guys are going to focus and like kind of a little, you know, spank in the ass a little bit. Um, and I think that showed, I think that was a, that was a big difference.
1: Yeah. It just seemed like they had everything to play for. And you know, we, it, it looked like we were trying to rest or something like we just weren't committed to it. Um, yeah, I mean, they had more to play for and it it definitely showed beginning to end. It's it was very, very hard to watch.
0: So here's the, the scenarios for next week, the Vikings have now fell to the number three seed after being a top two seed the entire way. Um, at the very end of the season, they fall to number three, finally, which sucks. We're about 99% likely to host the New York giants. who we just played a great game against, uh, we won on a 61 yard field goal. Um, So that's the most likely opponent now in in round one. Uh, As for the seven seed, the only open spot in the NFC, the Packers win and they're in a home game against the Detroit Lions. Uh, If the Packers lose and the Seahawks beat the Rams, then the Seahawks are in. And if the Seahawks lose and the Lions beat the Packers, then the Lions are in. And they will play uh, almost certainly the uh, San Francisco 49ers, any of those teams will. So, tough matchup for whoever does get into the playoffs. If the Vikings win their first-round matchup, they're most likely going to play the 49ers.
2: And we do so well against them.
0: Yeah, they just usually just kick the shit out of us, so I'm not <laughs> overly about that matchup. They beat they beat uh, all
2: the NFC North teams.
0: They don't care. They're not discriminate. Yeah. And then uh, the, uh, here's the thing that I find the most upsetting, though, is the playoff or the the Week 18 matchups set by the NFL today have just no, they're the most selfish matchups I've ever seen. They go against, uh, you know, the spirit of competition in the NFL. This is something the premier league would never do. in the last week of the year, everyone plays at the same time. So it's fair Mm -hmm. for everybody. And in these games, they've moved the Packers and the lions to their Sunday night game, which means that the Seahawks will have played before the lions. So if the Seahawks win, the lions will know that they're eliminated going into the Packers game. So the Packers, Well, so then suddenly they're going to have less motivation to beat the Packers. Why even win? Because it's going to hurt your draft order and you don't make the playoffs either way. It's just ridiculous. This is just terrible. On top of that, the Vikings have to decide if they want to play for the two seed. The 49ers play after us. So the 49ers will know if we won or lost. And then Mm. based on that, they will be able to sit everybody or play people. Like, these are just crazy scenarios. The game, the only really serious game, the only playoff game that's happening, truly, is the Titans and the Jaguars, winners in, losers out. It's a playoff game. That should be your Sunday night game. That's the big game of the week. But they just wanted another opportunity for all of the announcers to just ride Aaron Rodgers on every play. I've never heard a team that the announcers love more than the Packers, and it's sickening. The fact
2: that the the NFL – It'd be one thing if the the Lions-Packers was already – plan to be the Sunday night game and that's, mm-hmm. and that's just, you know, the NFL is like, well, that was already scheduled. It's going to be a pretty big matchup. We're going to leave it there. That, that I can abide. I can, I can understand that. And I think Eric, I don't, I don't think anybody could really argue that. I think that's like, we scheduled this nine months ago. We're leaving it right. It's for a playoff berth, you know, whatever. But to take the game that was already going to be at three o'clock and move it out. So the Packers will know whether or not they're in or not is absurd. It's fucking ridiculous.
0: I know people are like, this is just, you guys are just sore losers and you're just against the Packers. No, it's so unfair for a team like the Lions. Like the Lions should go into this Packer game fighting for their lives, not knowing their fate. Mm -hmm. And I think that's crazy. They should be playing at the same time as the Seahawks, no matter what. Like the same start time. That's the only fair thing to do.
2: The kickoffs should happen almost simultaneously. Like you said, The Premier League does this on Sunday. Not that there's been like a last day drama type of thing for a few years, but out of, like you said, out of respect for just competition alone, you make it fair. I know the NFL cares about ratings, but this is this should be more important than rating, in my opinion, in week 18. Any other week, I don't care, but in week 18, it should matter. Just out of curiosity, Eric, what was the original Sunday night matchup?
0: I think it was a TBD. Like I think oh that they, didn't have they to, left it open. Like, okay, kind of like leave it open. Like they moved games to Saturday. They moved like yep. the Chiefs and the Steelers to Saturday, which sucks because the Steelers are fighting for the seven seed, and then all the teams fighting for the seven seed on Saturday will already know their fate because of that. Like it's just so poorly done. It's so selfish by the NFL. Yeah, so, actually, hey, if
2: anything, if they wanted the best ratings, it would be Seattle and Green Bay. Cut the country in half, right? Green Bay gets this way, Seattle gets this way, and then the Vikings Bears gets flexed to see who and and the and the Niners uh, all play at three three twenty five or whatever, and then the Vikings game gets flexed to see who gets the two seat. That would be
0: the best way to do it. Yeah, I I just think that this is yeah, a joke, but it is it is what it is. So let's talk about a team that wasn't a joke this week. It's our Minnesota Golden Gophers. They beat Syracuse in the Kia Joanne Fabric McFlurry Pinstripe Bowl. And they won. 28, Outside of New
2: York in December,
0: by the that's way. That's fun. Uh, yeah. So they travel um, to New York to a cold weather game and they win uh, their quarterback. Uh, Calliak. Ethan. Ethan Calli- Calliak Maness. Yeah. Got hurt right away. You did get kind of a ride off into the sunset with Tanner Morgan, which I kind of appreciated. And I guess my question is, uh, is Calliak Manis someone we should be excited about? moving forward i know this was one of the bigger quarterback recruits we've ever had and i heard an interview with fleck where he said they went to athan in the recruiting process and they said we want you so badly we won't recruit another quarterback this year and we won't recruit a quarterback at all next year and so they really went all in with him as their future guy um three year possible starter for for us he looked pretty bad at first, but when he got in late in the season in that Wisconsin game, when he, you know, he was kind of dicing them up and it was kind of fun watching this run only team move into kind of like an exciting passing team. So are you excited about him moving forward? Uh,
2: I'll, I'll give you two reasons. One, the the Wisconsin game, yes. And then watching the Syracuse game as well, Eric, I don't know how much you watched early on, uh, but Dude can throw. He was zipping the ball around the field, like even from like the far hash to the other side, you know, right hash to the left sideline with pace. Um, he was putting it on the numbers for a lot of dudes. Like, I think it was just a matter of like learning the offense and being confident. Um, and I he looked he looked sharp. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you could when you could tell a quarterback feels confident and he's putting the ball where it needs to be and leading the receivers into open spots, um, he looked really good. And then the second reason I'm also hopeful is the Minnesota kind of went all in on recruiting um, big time wide receivers in this next recruiting class. So hopefully we could get like, uh, you know, to replace like the Ottman Bells and, you know, some of the. I think Ottman Bell's coming back for like a 10th year. Yeah, because he got injured <laughs> again. So I think he has another like, I think he'll be like 26. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kidding. he's going to be back. Daniel Jackson is is back. But we did, I think we went, we went all in on like a lot of receiving recruits based on the Greek gunslinger. And I'm, I'm very excited. I'm excited because we actually, it actually feels like we have a QB who will be coming back. That's going to be kind of like a modern college quarterback, which we haven't had, I guess since Tanner Morgan's sophomore season, which was like 10 years ago uh, when we beat Auburn in the Gator Bowl um, on New Year's day. So that was, uh, it's kind of exciting.
0: All right. I like that. Getting me excited. All right. Something I'm not feeling so excited about is the Timberwolves hitting rock bottom. Can you call Um, them
1: rock bottom though? Really?
0: I mean, I I did see um, multiple, I did see multiple articles that said Timberwolves hit rock bottom. One of them by John Krasinski of the athletic, who's like the the main Timberwolves writer at this point. Um, I think that they're in, a bad spot but i i think that the one promising thing is that even if we don't have tons of draft picks at this point and we don't have a lot of cap flexibility the one thing the, the two things that we do have tradable assets mm-hmm. and a young star player and you could be in so much worse of a place we are not even in the bottom five we're not even in probably in the bottom 10 teams that i'd want to be right now and I, and that's me coming off of a sentence where I said, did the Timberwolves hit rock bottom? Right. So, yeah, well, maybe this is
1: their rock bottom, right? I mean, there's, they're not out of the playoffs by any means. I mean, they're hanging right on the edge. Their record is essentially still, what is it like? I don't know, 18, 19, whatever, something like that. So they're kind of still in the mix. And if they figure things out, um, they can still move up. into the 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 pretty good seed so i i don't see it as rock bottom i see it as everybody got excited when cat got hurt for some fucking reason and when your star player gets hurt it's generally not a good thing and i don't think it was here either um we do need him uh at, at least in this iteration of the team um i did like that ant got to get a lot of time and he he showed up man he's been putting up good numbers doing more than just scoring so that is positive but if we're going to be decent, we need to find a way right now for at least Cat and Ant to play together uh, and go bear Jesus. Who knows what to do with him? But, um, I mean, just keep, keep Nas in there as much as you can for now. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I, I don't see how this can be rock bottom. I mean, we've been living in rock bottom for, so, for years as a franchise, and this is still much better, like you said.
0: I, I think that this has been a disaster. A disaster. Yeah and like I don't think that the future for this season is very bright.
2: Yeah, bright? Well, like, and could... maybe it was Johnny was, was Johnny Athletic talking about like rock bottom as far as 2022-23 season goes like not as a franchise because realistically no, I think cuz cuz realistically I think coming into this season uh this is not worst-case scenario, but it's, like, close to, like, breaking glass and hitting the red button. Very close. It's,
1: here's the problem. We actually had real expectations and real reasons to have good expectations. Um, you know, even the experts that hate on the Wolves at least picked them to make the playoffs, and that never happens. So I thought that, you know, I, I think that the horrible things that have happened is just go bear not fitting at all. Um, can't find a way to, to, to make them fit not not playing consistently at all. So then you look at coaching too. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it is very, very disappointing. I just, personally, that term is going to bug
0: me. I can't accept that this
1: is rock bottom. I've been living it. So no, no, but not for I, this
2: season. Not for this season. I think that's what they're doing. I
0: think saying. this is how the rebuild yeah. happens, okay? Because I, I, I think that this year... Um, best case scenario, we sneak into the playoffs as a low seed and we probably lose in the first round. We call that the Minnesota probably- special,
2: Eric. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I, think that the way, the reason that I don't feel as bad as a lot of people are feeling right now is because I, I see a path to a competitive rebuild. And I know that's a term the Vikings use this year. I think that if we don't do well in the playoffs, Cat's going to demand a trade. And what I would be looking to do with Cat is... Turn him into a young, promising piece, and a couple first-round picks to kind of restock our first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Um, what if it's like like a player, like a veteran player, Chet Holmgrenson, and two or three first-round picks from the Thunder?
2: <laughs> Did you throw like a yeah, Japanese yeah. Jet Holmgrenson <laughs> at the end of that?
1: Chet <laughs> yeah. Holm- Holmgren. <laughs>
0: Oh, his name's Chet Holmgren? Yeah. <laughs> so old you know, son. shows yeah. you how much he's been playing this year. Well, he's yeah. hurt. He got
2: hurt in the preseason.
0: Um, yeah. So, Chet, uh, you know, a trade like that. Or the, everyone always thinks that the, the Knicks get in a trade. What if it's like, um, you know, Julius Randle and uh, what's the Duke kid who they never want to trade? Um, jr something yeah i can't think yeah. of his name but whatever you know two starting pieces and like a fir- two first round picks for cat you know something like that where it's like you could go out and get some really nice pieces for him and rebuild restock you should probably trade no matter what happens even if we kind of get hot here and it, it will probably feel good but it might be fool's gold i would be looking to move uh russell d-low at the mm-hmm. trade deadline as an expiring contract try to recoup some of those draft picks and then if you gotta banish Gobert for 50 cents on the dollar to kind of bring some of those picks back and then all you're doing is you're building assets you're building flexibility you're adding some young pieces you're building around edwards and then you're hopefully using those assets to build a winning team around him as he moves yeah. into his max contract as he moves yeah. into superstar because it feels like the group that they have doesn't really fit together. Um, obviously, Cat and Towns doesn't work together. When Cat and Towns and D'Elo are on the court. Gobert and Towns, you mean? I'm sorry. Gobert and Towns are on the court together. Uh, all that ends up happening with Edwards is he just sits in the corner. Um, I don't know. Like It's just the pieces have not fit. Do you remember and, when uh, I,
2: like Bill Simmons used to talk about the clogged toilet offense? That's what it looks like yeah. with those two guys on the court. It really does. Um, Eric, I have two questions for you. Um, yeah. One, or Jibbo two, the first being, Mm -hmm. do we need to put the Wolves on a plan A and plan B program like we did with the Wild? Because I feel like like we're broaching that territory pretty quickly. And Eric's, Eric's like rubbing his forehead like, Jesus Christ, I can't do it with two teams.
1: You know, honestly, as sad as the Wolves have been, a plan A, plan B is not bad because at least we're getting a playoff series every year. I mean, it's one that we're a low seed and maybe everybody's hurt coming into it. And we have no real chance to uh, to advance like the Wild have been on this plan forever. But, uh, hey, man, at least I'm getting a series every year. That, that would be literally want, an improvement. No, no, definitely not. No. Yeah. In fact, like that's why I liked the Go Bear trade initially, or at least I wasn't going to be negative about it. Because yeah. I know that in the league, if we had kept the same team, you know, maybe we can advance and win one series. And that's how yeah. much better we would get You're, over the year. You know, and then you people you and then it falls apart. You know what your he ceiling is with that. Yeah. And at least we shot for the fucking moon with Gobert and we gave up way too much. And it's turning out to be it could be the worst trade of all time in any sport. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, really, It's that pathetic. We'll see. Right. Like if we can get some value for him, like some, then it won't be as bad. If he starts to play and help and we're, we're good, then it wouldn't be as bad. But right now it's it's trending towards. Holy shit. Um, that's horrible. But yeah, I mean, I don't. Hate the idea of making big moves, and that's why I would once again support you know trading off D'Lo, Cat, Gobert. Just don't touch Ant. Um Make him feel like, hey, the, the the players now around you are a little bit younger, they're hungrier. Uh You can be a leader on the team. Yeah, you're and the guy. I think he can yeah. get he can get really fucking good um, and really lead the team. So I'm
0: I'm happy with that. That would be awesome. I'm gonna push that trade, Chet and pieces. Holmgren said, Yeah, Holmgren. I, I don't know why I thought that. I, I guess I knew someone last name Holmgren, but Chet Holmgren, Kaha yeah. Academy's finest. You know, it'd be awesome. Get a, a local kid in here with huge potential. People will have been sleeping on him because he missed his first year while he's putting on weight and uh, healing up his injury. Uh, bring in a big, promising, big man who can stretch the floor and can dribble and is exciting and, uh, you know, a couple first round picks and a, a bad contract or something like that. Do you that trade. You know who we could maybe get back? Hmm. Patrick If We could get. Stop. We could he get him want, back. He always wants to come back. That's um, all which he wants. To...
1: No, we don't need him. We're all right. My second
2: question was: Do we have a poison pill uh, contract uh, available? Can we throw that on Gobert, or do we blow that with Pekovic? And no, we can't do it again for like. That I, I doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. But we did. Uh, damn.
1: Pekovic, yeah. Oh God, we yeah. really needed it for Pekovic. Really so did. yeah, we're. Kind but of I would never tell we'll that. I would
2: never tell that hit to his face. I would never tell him that to his face <laughs> ever.
1: <laughs> no, no. He's he's ice fishing in Russia somewhere. As I don't far know as I'm doing, concerned, but...
2: he's the greatest Timberwolf that ever walked the face of the earth. If he ever asked me to my face.
0: Yes. No, I'm a big
1: fan. He just can uh, the other different
0: the that they're really banged up with injuries right now too. D'Lo is out now. Uh, Towns has been out. Prince. Kyle Anderson has hardly played since he got here. Gobert is out every other day, sick. Uh Torrey Prince. Prince has been out. Yeah, he's been out all year. Um We thought that we got Ant injured the other day, but he's toughening it out and still putting up 30 a night. It just has been kind of the, the year from hell. It's just like the things they could control and the things they can't control are all kind of going wrong. So, <laughs> like, It just doesn't really bad bad luck
1: on top of mismanagement. So that's pretty much the Wolves experience.
2: Welcome to Minnesota.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, All right, guys, we'll move on to our last topic today. And that is the Premier League is back. It came back with their yearly holiday, Boxing Day, which is turning into one of my favorite sports days of the year. It's so so underrated. The day after Christmas, there's leftovers, there's people all off of work, and then it's just a whole day of soccer. It's awesome. You could drink. Feels like you could more, drink
2: at 9 a.m. Um, and nobody can say yeah. anything. Yeah. So I tried
0: to get some interesting stories from the Premier League. Um, the first one is definitely Arsenal, my favorite team, but mostly just the most interesting story of the year. Uh, they were projected, I think they had the fifth best odds at winning the title. Um, if they win, This week against Newcastle, they'll be 10 points out in front of everybody. It's over. Um, They're a young team. Uh, Their depth is not good. Uh, They're a soccer or a party injury away from falling apart pretty fast. Uh, But it is is a really cool story. It's um, kind of the guy who's had a big renaissance, I think, in the last uh, two or three years is Stan Kroenke. After everyone in every sports town across the world hated him, Um, his KSE is kind of proving that they might know what they're doing. Um, It's like find a good young coach and then uh, don't spend any money until you have your coach and your GM in place. And then when you do uh, go all in. And so he did it with the Rams. They won a title. Uh, They're in bad place this year, but that's what happens when you push all your chips in and you win. Um, I think as
2: as we call it in Minnesota, uh, we would give anything for that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: um he did it with the colorado avalanche last year as well they went all in they're down a little this year now but they won the cup and were by far the best team last year and now after you know almost two decades in the wilderness uh looks like they're trying to do the same thing with arsenal this year so i would say um that has to be story the the top story in the premier league this year wouldn't you well and i -hmm. I
2: think the the counterweight to that that adds higher praise to arsenal season was city bringing in holland right which was like okay well um so city's gonna win it how is two three four five six seven gonna look you know in the table um that hasn't really transpired and city's drawing matches i mean they're they're kind of doing the thing liverpool did like three seasons ago where you're like they have this extremely talented roster and then they're drawing against Burnley at home for no reason other than like they could they couldn't finish it off. It was like feast or famine, like either Salah scored four goals or they mm-hmm. were drawing against a shitty team. And every time Liverpool played like a really good team, they were up for it. But anytime they played like you know somebody that was like in the bottom half of the table, they just kind of like coasted. Oh well, we'll turn it on in the second half and win it. And they it like didn't Brentford happen today. And they're then still they, doing that. I and then they so. lost. Well, no, but I'm just saying, like, when they when they were still young and, and like they're they were still like mm-hmm. ready to compete for the Premier League title pre-pandemic. Um and Arsenal just doesn't seem to know how to uh screw up so far. Like they look like a a team that's been doing it for a while, and Arteta's got the guys rolling, and I fucking hate it, but um yep. they look really good. They they score good goals, like they're, um, they don't let a lot of big chances go by squandered, right? They they're either like very yeah. patient or when they get that chance, no matter who is there, whether it's Martinelli, um, Jesus before his injury, Saka, um, and like, uh, they've, they found a way to make things happen. And that's the sign of like a championship mentality. So in my mind, this is this is over. This this race is done. I think Arsenal's won the league for the first time in a long time. Congratulations, Eric. You guys will love the
0: trophy. It's 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 fantastic. I'm, that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You Congrats. were kind of not paying Congrats. attention, so I was
2: trying to get you back in.
0: So the other big boys I think right now, um, Newcastle. Are they officially in one of the top six teams. We always hear about the top six. Newcastle now has more money than every other team in the league. They can't just like completely go, you know, scorched earth and spend a billion dollars in one off season. The rules are set up that you can only spend so much of like, I don't know. I don't it's, know if it's, all rules. It's,
2: it's flexible, Eric. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't look at the financial fair
0: play. It's fine. But I, I do think um, they're now firmly in the top three. They have a huge game on Tuesday against Arsenal. Um, one versus three, the one versus three matchup in January that I don't think anyone expected. Right. Um, they lost a game since August, and they are the best defensive team in the league. Uh, they're really well coached. Eddie Howe is super underrated, and I think they're a scary team to play. They might be not have the biggest of names, but they now have money. They're a big historical team that like was in the wilderness for a long time but is a former great team. My question is, can they take Spurs' spot?
1: <laughs> Dude, I'm worried they're taking Liverpool's spot. So, like, let's pump the brakes for a minute. No, because you got a, you got a Champions
2: League title and a league title under your belt. You're fine for a while. You're fine. No, I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, what?
1: What am I going to follow them for 15 years? No, but I'm saying, like, you're not a Spurs
2: New- fan. You're not a Newcastle fan, okay?
0: Like, you got right. you got lots of equity built up is all I'm saying.
1: You're right. I do. Yeah. I do.
0: Literally, I think Spurs are in trouble. I know that they're higher in the table. I know they're currently sitting in fifth. They're one spot ahead of Liverpool. But I do think that they are in a bad place. Uh, It turns out when your entire team is built around two aging players that are really expensive, uh, if they take even a little half step back, then where do you go from there? They are in massive debt right now because of their stadium. And if you really want to know, I mean, you could talk about mismanagement and you could talk about, you know, old philosophies or hanging on to things too long. But if you really want to see why Arsenal went from being one of the two best teams in the league for, you know, 15 years to spending 15 years just wandering the desert, it was because they bought a stadium and they mm. sold a bunch of their players to fund the stadium. And then they had to be frugal for years. And they tried to be like, we're smarter than everyone. But it's like when everyone else got as smart as they did, and had more money, then suddenly it was like, oh, all of your old strategies of outsmarting everyone. Well,
2: and everyone just does that stuff. And out. coupled with that, they were like, okay, we're going to put all of our eggs in Arson Wenger's basket and see what happens. Yeah. And it turns out yeah, that yeah. didn't work out well. And
0: it's like his strategies in the late 90s and early 2000s like transformed software. Yeah, top forever. tier, top tier it, for sure. They were on the same strategies that worked in 2000. And And so the game passed him by, and I think Spurs might be in the same place, but even with um, less trust in their process. I mean, they're constantly firing coaches. They're constantly changing everything up and also not succeeding. And so I kind of have this feeling that Newcastle might be here to stay, and Spurs, I think if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be kind of freaked out. Well, imagine
2: going from like – you know they've always been kind of a we build from within you know type of thing and poch was that guy and and he had figured out the best flavor and the best version of that squad <clears throat> and he got him to the Champions League final and um you know they ran him out of town they ran him out of town because <laughs> like the first half of the season didn't go as well as they thought and it just seems silly and then they bring in jose and they spend a ton of money and then he stinks and then now they then they brought in I don't know the guy from wolves for like I, I don't know no, no. He had a cup of coffee at the Spurs stadium and then he was fired. Um, and then now they brought in Conte and Conte is the type of guy who uh, demands tons of signings for whatever the market demands. And he's already complaining. I mean, it, I mean, the clock barely struck January one and Conte was caught on a long winded interview saying like, well, Uh, we only have good enough players to finish like seventh. Um, if you want to have a winning team, you got to have 14 guys that are really good. And they're like, well, what do you mean? He's like the players we have suck. You know what I mean? Like essentially he's like basically like calling all of his players out. And, um, I find it hilarious, but
0: (laughs) I'm not in a better position to, uh, you know, make light of anything like that. So. Yeah, it's I'm I'm here to tease them all forever. Um, okay, so a couple other big stories, uh, Chelsea. Uh, you can't say they're not entertaining. Okay, uh, they are probably the most entertaining team in the world. We're the heels. Uh, We're the they, heels, dude. Everybody hates us. You're either you're either winning the title and and probably winning the Champions League, or you're like in the relegation zone for a while. You sign everybody. You sell everybody. You have every coach on earth. You win the biggest games. You lose heartbreaking games. It's just a complete Your, rollercoaster. It's, it's Your amazing. oligarch gets his yacht taken. That was hilarious. Well, and they then which they, one? And they shut the team down. <laughs> yeah. They shut the team down. Then yeah. pretty much like the Dodgers owner bought them, and then they're just the most hectic team. Ryan, how are you feeling about?
2: It? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Which part you asked Enjoy a lot? The <laughs> there is a different. There's a lot of different uh, parts there to discuss. Uh, not feeling great about the current on-field performances. Also not feeling great about the off-field signings because it's kind of a disaster. So um, it I, it feels like Chelsea football. It feels I feel right at home. It. What, Abramovich doesn't matter. Todd Boley, doesn't
0: matter. Let's go. It's chaos. You're ne- we, you're never... we thrive in chaos. That's where we succeed. You'll never. Be, you could have the worst season ever, but you'll compete for the title the next year. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't it? Uh, they. the one year they finished tenth or something, and then they won the title the next year, and then they won the Champions League the year after that. So they are. Well, kind of, all it was all a few years after
2: that, but like um, we definitely finished tenth under Jose Part Two. We hired Conte. Finished first, but that was only because. We had literally no European competition to play in as well. So uh, there's a little, little asterisk, you know, next to that one. I don't all want you other... to have an
1: asterisk next to that because Liverpool won in the bubble and that's a huge asterisk. So let's just not put asterisks at all.
2: Yeah, but you guys were already winning by 30 points before the league was suspended anyway. The, so. Before the
1: bubble. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. But it's still the bubble year and I hate that.
0: All right. Uh, the other big story, Brighton, Fulham and Brentford all having really nice years. Um, Fulham coming up from relegation and being a really tough out, having a bunch of exciting players. They have a really kind of wild owner. Uh, Khan, uh, Shad Khan, I think is his name. He owns the, Jaguars. the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Fulham and AEW Wrestling. Uh oh, wow. they him and his son own all of these things and run all of these things themselves. Can we they've can had we a put couple of those three together
2: and somehow form like <laughs> some sort of like a super team between all of them? <laughs>
0: Let's go. So they own all of those. Fulham has had a couple of stays where they came up into the league. They tried to stay up. They spent all this money, and it didn't work. They've done some more sustainable spending this year. And they are one of the tough teams in the league. They're firmly in the top 10 right now. Um, And then, obviously, Brentford and Brighton are just absolutely giving it to top teams.
2: Um, Yeah, that's a a really good sign for Chelsea's uh, future success, that uh, we took their coach away and the team got better. Um, so other than that, everything's looking (laughs) up for Graham Potter. Eric, you totally missed the Uh, joke there. That was, uh, that was gold.
1: That was a good joke. I liked it. (laughs) The listeners Uh, will appreciate it.
0: Redford has won uh three games against the top six teams this year. The Beast. Um, they beat, they beat Man City. They beat, uh, Man United and they beat Liverpool.
2: How, how has nobody taken like Ivan Tony or Mbomo off their roster? It's insane. Brentford know, hasn't beat
1: Liverpool in, since 1936 so that was a surprise. But they're a different team now. They
0: they're, they're a really That good was the team, team so. that
2: almost sent Miguel Mikel Arteta packing when they got I when know. Arsenal got absolutely fucking thumped on like the season First opener, season. Yeah, yeah, last year.
0: And then the the last thing uh transfers uh, so it's silly season, it's January, everyone is uh 150 percent of what they should be and every team is is in an arms race at this point some massive names out there chelsea are about to sign the most expensive player in the history of the premier league enzo fernandez for somewhere between 107 and 112 million pounds he's a uh, argentinian midfielder who is young he's played in europe for only six months for benfica in portugal um, but he is a big time talent who had a great World Cup. Um biggest transfer in the history of the Premier League. How are you feeling about that, Ryan?
2: Um, you know, I don't know, dude. Whatever. Spend the money. I I just want to be better. I just want I just wanted the squad to be improved. We lost so many players coming into this season. We lost a manager. We couldn't even negotiate with players until after half the top tier talent had been signed. Um just fucking a nightmare. So all the armchair accountants from Arsenal and Manchester United Twitter can piss off. Uh, we're going to do it in payment structure, so financial fair play doesn't really even matter. So let's sign Enzo. We deserve it. Chelsea's been in the mud. We, we, we're we owed this, I think, you know, as a, as a club. We deserve it. Right, Eric?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Other big ones. Liverpool signed Cody Gakpo for about 45 million pounds. Um, he was a star at the World Cup, 23-year-old. Uh, winger from the Netherlands. Um, Arsenal is going all out to sign um, Mudrik, a Ukrainian winger. Yeah. Um, they're trying. They're trying. Might go to Chelsea. So, I mean, their odds are currently uh, minus six hundred to sign him. So I think it's about about done at this point. And then, not if Arsenal uh, does their uh, forty million dollars and one dollar uh, bid when he asks for <laughs> more money. They they have uh, United is desperately looking for a striker. Um, they are going to overspend for someone. Um, Kolo Murray is the latest guy that they're linked with a 50 million pound move for. Um, He played, uh, he was added to the French team when Nkunku Um, Got injured like two days before, um, and now he is linked to them for 50 years. Can I introduce you
2: in a one Pierre-Emerick Obama yang? I feel like uh, he's got some good (laughs) years left in him. Let's uh, let's talk.
0: Let's talk, United. The other big piece um, that's going to be in every rumor is Jude Bellingham, but I think it's more likely in the summer. Um, he is wanted by every team. He will have his choice of every team, and I truly, in my heart, believe he will decide between City and Real Madrid. You think so? But Liverpool, Liverpool is after him. Arsenal's after him. United's after him. Chelsea's after him. Spurs, Bayern Munich. Juventus, well, why, why wouldn't?
2: Arsenal why wouldn't any like of the big teams team. be like? Of course they would.
0: Yeah. So lots of fun stuff. Uh, Transfers in January are completely hectic and your team will be overpaying for people because it's the only option in the middle of the year is to overpay for guys. Um, But it is an arms race at this point. It is fun watching the Premier League just get bigger and bigger and bigger and the team's getting more competitive. It is a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a race to the finish, a race to the top four, and a race to stay out of relegation. Yeah. It's
2: going to be fun. I think – um, I, you know, I just, and I'm probably going to continue to do it for the remainder of the year to tell Eric that, that the season's over. Um, but Eric this. hasn't been, Eric has been in, um, I don't want to say rock bottom as a sports fan, but it's been, it's been rough as an Arsenal supporter. <laughs> Pretty much since we've had this podcast. It's been rough and yeah. Um, right. even, I think even like kind of coming out of the mud last year took a lot of effort. Lot of Eric, a lot of mental anguish, you know, to to finally write the ship. I mean, he started zero three. They were last in the fucking league after three weeks last season with a zero to nine goal differential. I mean, Eric was in. I mean, that might have been the darkest. The Vikings were one and two. Arsenal was zero three. Might have been the darkest Eric's ever been in on yeah. this podcast. I think. Maybe to like. To I mean, start, the rain
1: cloud Eric was in full force to start a uh, season. You know, him. you
2: start seasons like full of optimism, right? And then that was like, it's like crashing your was plane, a quick drop. Um, so, like, I feel like this is you know, kind of the the, you know, the pendulum swinging the other way a little bit for the Arsenal supporters who've who've been, I mean, under the guillotine for a long time, and to to finally get some things right with the with the manager and some young players and and the future is bright and they don't even have like their full complement of players um totally healthy so um it's been it's been interesting and um i hope arsenal blows it to be honest
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't eric if it can't be liverpool it it should be arsenal um chelsea would be right after that since that you've won more recently sorry
2: um So, Eric, do you want to give a quick update on where we're at with the Monday night game? It seems like uh, things are kind of the Buffalo equipment managers are packing everything up.
0: It looks like the game is not happening tonight. So um, I did see that that the player um, was not breathing under his own power. They needed AED and CPR on the field. He's not able to breathe on his own. They got his mom in the ambulance with him and transferred him to a – like, like a tier, I don't know what it's called, a level one trauma yeah, tier hospital. One trauma. Yep. So like a really good hospital for something like this. But um, I think that he must have been in, in bad enough shape that um, they don't know. I mean, I, I can only imagine that the news that they've gotten at this point isn't promising or isn't good enough for them to think that they can move on with playing this game tonight. And I know that no, I that think sounds it's, really yeah, callous. I don't think it's playing tonight. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not. And I I think that I'm not trying to sound like, you know, football over people's health. I think that if they would have gotten word like, hey, he's stable, he's, you Mm -hmm. know, he's sitting really scary.
2: Well, like kind of what happened with Christian Erickson. He was sitting up, he was talking, he was he was back. Obviously not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination, but like he was fine as far as. Like the medical team was concerned, not breathing on your road is a huge fucking problem.
0: Yeah, I think it's. I think that they they must be getting some really scary um, news here, or at least just not good enough news for the the team to feel like they can continue on today. So, um, I think they're making the right call. Uh, it just sucks. He's a twenty four year old kid. The injury, the the whole scene was horrifying, and uh, I I have to say, I know that. The NFL has a product to put out there, and they're on a tight schedule, and they've got to like try to push forward with their product. But I think they made the right call and calling it a night here because uh, some things are more important than games, and this is definitely. Here,
2: and one. just to so, show you where um, stupidity does not uh, meet the level of humane behavior, if you will, Skip Bayless, thirty minutes ago, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game. But how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. Uh, Skip, that's why why your brother doesn't fucking talk to you. Like, because you're a heartless
0: piece of shit. So, fuck off. Um, So, uh, the other news is, uh, Damar Hamlin has been intubated, intubated, and is currently listed in critical condition. So, I think that this is a... This so is intubated, intubated is
2: where they put the breathing tube all the way down the throat into the lungs, and then they'll have a machine hooked up to artificially pump air mm-hmm. um, into
1: him, which isn't good. But but they wouldn't do that if you were dead. So that is well, maybe that's, that's the only way to determine can, can hold on to... whether or
2: not his breathing will come back until they figure out the root cause mm-hmm. of the problem. Crazy. Yeah, really Terrible. tough.
0: Well, hopefully... Hopefully we get some uh, better news next uh, in the next couple hours or days, and we uh, can come back with the Northeast Podcast next week with good news for everybody. Um, but otherwise, until then, thanks for hanging out with your good friends here at the Northeast Podcast.